0: Hello everyone and welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast and the world's premier kitchen for horror sandwiches. And regular listeners at this point will be thinking that Mark sounds very different, but unfortunately it's just Matthew today. Uh, Unfortunate news, Mark lost his dad this week, so he's taken a little bit of time off just to look after himself and his family. And, you know, we of course wish him all the best, send his condolences to everyone over there and it will be back soon. Uh, but it's not just me today. I'm being very lucky to be joined by the front man of No Setting Sun and a wonderful solo artist in his own right. So we are here with Mike Hardy. How are you doing, Mike?
1: I'm very well, thank you. You're far too kind.
0: Well, not, uh, not for a second would I say that it's uh, undeserving. So let's... Uh, yeah, we're going to get into all the usual business. So we've got some uh, some questions to ask you, but first we like to get into it with a "Would you rather." So go right ahead. On the theme of uh, of this one, I'm going to check. Would you rather spend a week camping in some spooky woods, or a week staying in a mm-hmm. spooky haunted hotel?
1: That's a great question because. Uh... Every, every year growing up, we would uh, go camping in France. Not necessarily in any spooky woods or whatever the French for woods is. I'll have to ask our drummer, Cedric, as he is French. Um, or a spooky hotel. I think I'm going to go with the woods. See, uh, I think there's, there's, more,
0: there's more danger in a hotel because you can be locked in. And they've got a lot of mm-hmm. facilities. You know, gas leak, kitchens, bars. There's peril are there, isn't
1: there? Are you thinking, when you when we say the woods, we might be going off the film that we're going to be talking about. But when you say the hotel, are we going with The Shining?
0: Uh, basically, I'm, I'm basing it yeah. off this. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the cornerstone of all hotel-based horror. But I don't know, like woods, you get daytime in the woods. I kind of think, you're more likely to be able to escape the woods as well. So yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to go for that as well.
1: Yeah. There's
0: no lockable
1: doors. I think it's a big part. You can move around in the woods, but there there's the. And lots oh, of sticks around just in case there.
0: you need to fashion a, a weapon at short notice.
1: That's what we can do. We always fashion. I mean, Any time growing up, if you're uh, a certain age, in fact, even now, you're walking through the woods. You see a big stick. That stick's coming with you for part of this journey. Yeah, until it renders itself obsolete and becomes two sticks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then, then you. So, so
1: when you say fashion, fashion a uh, weapon, just pick it up a stick.
0: Oh, and you can you can sharpen a stick into a a pointy stick. Mm -hmm. There's there's opportunity to set traps in the woods.
1: There are. I can't. Uh, think by the time I would have tired myself out digging a hole.
0: <laughs> no, I think I. I think you got to go for the woods, haven't you? Yeah, I'm you going say? for the woods.
1: Hotel. The hotel is gonna. Yeah, throw me off a bit.
0: But well, so I, I don't really stay in that many hotels. So I've i only, I'm, not, uh, I'm not as comfortable with you know. Airbnbs, you know, you just have to take out one guy usually.
1: Normally true, and that it's nothing bad's going to happen because if their rating drops. Oh yeah, they've got to be careful. That's the real horror. Thank you. You've been listening to Creative Psychopaths. We'll leave it there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh, Well, see. Well, well, I think we'll leave the Would You Rather there, and we'll get on to uh, onto some of the questions. Right it's from the off then, what is the first horror movie that you remember seeing?
1: The first, so for the fans of the show, I'm just going to say now, I'm not the biggest horror film fan. So there'll be you, some people might be saying, oh, that's not like the scariest film. But the first one that I remember sitting down and watching all the way through was The Ring.
0: See, I said Jurassic Park for this, so I think mean, you're,
1: <laughs> uh, okay. you're fine for that. Well, it's it's the what, it's now what is, falls into the horror category. Because for me, it, like, scarier stuff has to be kind of thriller, stuff that's more psychologically scary, more than, let's say, jump scares, the instant kind of, like, stuff that you might get, or gore.
0: Yeah, it's kind of fleeting, isn't it? Those those sorts of scares—they like get you in the moment, but they don't tend to last very long.
1: Yeah, I want stuff that's going to keep me up at night.
0: I yeah, want well, just real unadulterated misery.
1: Yeah, <laughs> just. So, uh, I about, I think I must have been thirteen or fourteen watching The Ring, and I will say it was the the American version of The Ring, not the yeah the original Japanese. Yeah, I think uh, there's uh so, a... when I do I do
0: it's a, it's a proper sleepover film for that one, isn't it? Because it's sort of like around the early teenage years for us. Where yeah. we would stick film... around and watch scary movies.
1: It's a film now that uh not not that it hasn't aged well, but if you imagine explaining it to a child now going, right, so here's what happened. You'd get this VHS, so a VHS was uh, like an old version of a DVD. So a DVD is like an old version of a Blu-ray. So a Blu-ray is like something that you would download now. And then you'd get a phone call on a landline. So a landline's like a mobile phone that lives in your house. It's kind of it made sense once upon a time, but unfortunately, it hasn't it hasn't aged to uh, current standards.
0: Yeah, to be honest, that's something i never actually really considered about how it would age. Because it's yeah, we, I we tend to think of it as more uh, you know like the filmmaking techniques what scares people. But yeah, that must be alarming for someone just to be like, "What's all this sort of old technology yeah. now?"
1: Yeah, I've got to. They mean if I tried now to kind of come up with a modern version of it, I would sound like such an old person.
0: So yeah, you, there's this to... thing called TikTok.
1: Yeah. If you watch this TikTok it. and or share just...
0: it among all your friends. Yeah. The, the floss man comes and gets you.
1: <laughs> comes out of your iPhone 14. Kevin Bacon just does a floss. <laughs> <laughs> but so no, yeah, that's great a, quality. That's a great
0: <laughs> shout for, for first film. I, I would think I would have probably been around just starting to watch a few for the first time around then as well. Uh Mm. But we'll, I
1: do remember watching watching the film and then it being over and thinking, huh, was that, I, I don't, it's like in the moment I was like, it didn't feel that scary. And then I remember it was nighttime and I uh, just like walked into the bathroom, just turned the light. And then it was like, it was black outside. And I just went, oh, I'm scared now. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I, ah, I that find that a me.
0: lot recording this. It's just like the terrifier was, was one uh that that we watched a couple of weeks ago. And like that, I just watching it, it's like, oh, this didn't really like bother me at all. And then turning it off at like eleven at night and you go into bed and you just flick the switch and it's just like, oh shit, I'm thinking about it, aren't I now?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh oh. This That's... is the psychological scares that I didn't want. <laughs> yeah, it's it's
0: always like it's a, a good sign when you think that you've not been scared and then it actually realizes it's got you. Yeah it's
1: like this it uh, was okay, but it wasn't that like great. And then it's like hit you later. I oh, actually, no, it was really good.
0: So what? Uh, well, while we're on the ring, then I would say that that is a film with a questionable standard of sequel. So, if uh, are there any films that you think need more sequels or need to stop making sequels? Okay, we'll start
1: with we'll start with stop. Um. So. Uh, Halloween (laughs) well
0: luckily I think they have (laughs) I mean they have they're never going to stop
1: but I was just thinking just before I (laughs) well yeah just before I came on um, I was just thinking I wonder how many Halloween films there are because uh, for another question that's coming up I decided to look at I wonder what the best kills in horror films were and then it's like I'm just going to look on a compilation and it was like Halloween 7 I was like oh god were there that many and they've just gone on the list and they've seen one like 13
0: Uh, I think off the top of my head
1: yep 13 just the fact there's Halloween H2O 20 years later
0: (laughs) and I think there's been at least 5 since then yeah
1: that was a good one that that was
0: uh, yeah that was fun that one
1: it was that one, and that ties into I don't know too much about, but like Nightmare on Elm Street, I know there were a lot of those.
0: They tended to, they kind of got out while the going was good. Played with the formula a little bit with yeah. new Nightmare in the nineties, and then, then yeah. then the reboot in that era where they tried to reboot everything, so sort of like that yeah. mid to late nineties. So there are there are too many of them. I'd say Hellraiser is probably the one that comes closest because there's. They they got the
1: double figures as well, yeah. So,
0: but no, I think so Halloween again
1: is... in a film that doesn't need. So yeah, I was going to say
0: Halloween has, has run its course. I think now and it can it can lay dormant for a good ten years, and no one uh, needs to worry about it.
1: So another another one, uh, that I saw, and just uh, one we might be talking about in a bit. So there was a film a few years ago called Blair Witch.
0: The, was it like 2016-ish? It kind of like a,
1: something like that, yeah. Um, that, I've not seen it, but from the kind of description of, looks like a pretty good sequel based off of the original. However, the film, uh, I'll have to find the full name of it because it was the original sequel
0: to Blair Witch yeah Book of Shadows Shadows.
1: yeah Blair Witch 2 yeah so I thought I'm again no time to watch this but I'm gonna watch the trailer oh my god first for a film to look like it missed the mark so much it was yeah. it, the fact that it was one of those, the The trailers got the, from a small town in Massachusetts, six teenagers come together. And it's one of those, you look at the original film and then you look at this and it looks like one of the actresses in it, it looks like whoever was in costume went, what does a goth girl look like? <laughs> and then dressed, it's like five teenagers who dress normally. And then one who's just in the, like the full black, the black hair, the white makeup, the big boots. They kind of went, that's her.
0: I remember seeing that, uh, a trailer for it on the TV. You know, when you were sort of around like 11, 12 year old and you'd stay up till like two in the morning playing Smackdown 2. Like, I remember doing that and then like, I saw it on the telly, like at some point during that by myself and like, for years, I had no idea that that film actually existed, and I thought I tricked myself into it just
1: because, <laughs> like, it just
0: sank without a trace completely. So yeah, it's still one I've never, I've never bothered to watch because it just feels like we don't need it. Yeah.
1: So maybe one that could do with sequels, and I'm ready for you to disagree instantly. But it's just because of how the films have already gone. And the one-upmanship in the whole of the series, but I really like Saw.
0: Yeah, that's one that that uh, comes up a lot for the stop making sequels one.
1: So. It's such a, it's just you get towards the end of the film, and it's a, well, here's what really happened. You shouldn't have done anything, or you should have worked as a team, or just those little bits, and it's kind of like that's frustrating. I wonder what's gonna happen in the next film.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm of the opinion that you know if there's gonna be a good film out of it, then do a sequel for anything. I'm you know, I'm happy mm. to watch it. Unfortunately, the saw sequels that they have been making recently have been crap.
1: I will I will be honest. I um, this was something we started watching them in um one of the lockdowns. It might have been January or February last year. Um and it was the first one was very good because it was based, it was like a low budget film, but they made it look quite good. And it was the storyline was okay. And then the second one was, I remember it being really good. That was the one when it was, um, they're all in the house, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The third one is that the one when they're a team, like they have to be a team, the but they th- aren't.
0: Third one is, uh, it there's a doctor that's been captured by Jigsaw oh, Chester performed brain yeah. surgery on him. I think that was the... That's the one. That, and that ties into some other ones. That Yeah, I think the brain surgery or something was that was like the biggest issue the censors had with the film. Oh, right. it look too real, you just think uh, some of the stuff that you're seeing. Yeah.
1: So I think,
0: pretty gentle, really. It's just a bit yeah. of brain surgery.
1: It's just brain surgery.
0: No. so have a, I liked, a franchise I, that's got messy. But, like you say, if they've got an idea for one, and they can make a good one. I mean, they tried it with Spiral, but I just didn't think it really worked. But I would I would watch I one. I'd give only... it another
1: chance. Yeah, I've only seen, I think it was, when I say the original, the original six. And then I remember there was one that came out when it was the height of 3D movies. and then Yeah, which is...
0: I think it was that and Jackass were like the two films where I thought, yes, this is what 3D's for, <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah.
0: Giving me stupid gore and stupid men throwing themselves down a hill on a trolley.
1: Yeah. I mean, Jackass, unedited, could have been a Saw film. It could have been great. <laughs> Just errors going that way. But yeah, it was uh, that. And I know there's, yeah, the two films that have been out since, but I've not seen them either.
0: So Well, I would say let's move on to our next one then, because Saw is a franchise that does have a lot of kills. Uh, Would you say that the best kill is from that, or would you say something else?
1: My favourite kill, I'm going to say, from a thriller. Oh, okay. And uh, just one question for you, Matt. Do you like Huey Lewis in the news? (laughs) See,
0: I'm saying that is the... uh the same answer that we were given last week as well on...
1: uh, Was it? (laughs) It was, yeah. So that's two for two. Two for two. It's such a... I was going to... Because I was looking at kills, and it was that one and the uh, chainsaw one from that film as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, both both brutal.
1: Both great kills. And it was... But it's just the absolute... No... Expressionless psychoticness of it. It's just... So, such a kind of like a telling, just talking at someone of your music preference, and then just—do you have a dog? No. So, well, yeah. Are you own a raincoat? Yes, I am.
0: It is. It is a fantastic scene. I would, I'd say American Psycho falls on the horror. It's certainly got more than one tag on Netflix.
1: Yeah, it's one of those. It's the in the thriller and horror circle, kind of just.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, no I tell say that's a—it's a, a great show. I mean, I've said it several times. It helps that it's Jared Leto getting the axe in his head too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the the man, the man knows how to die on screen. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and it's got that—it's got that brilliant balance of absurdism and realistic as well. Yeah, because you know, it's sort of daft, but at the same time, it's kind of believable. So it's, yeah, it is a, a great shout. So we'll move on to the next one then. So uh, what is a scary moment from a non-horror movie
1: that you remember? So probably the first one that scared me, and it this one might have come up, but it would have been... Uh, the opening of the arc in Indiana Jones.
0: You know what? I, I'm not sure if it has,
1: but yeah, I it's, certainly see where you're coming from. The as a because you, you're a young kid when you first see it. I think it's on at Christmas or Easter at some point, or three, one Saturday every Saturday in a row, something like yeah. that. And it would it would have been as a kid just seeing the face melt. Yeah,
0: they're like. See, I know that so we might not have had this one specifically, but Spielberg comes up a lot for these ones Mm. because he's just puts these scary touches in all of his films. You know where there's peril and like even Ready Player One, which was properly really anonymous in Mm. Spielberg's canon, he's got this whole scene in the middle of the film where it's just The Shining and characters going through that. So he's horror elements it make an adventure film much better yeah you've got to have that i mean it's not just peril but it gives it some balance as well because the fun you know punching nazis and wisecracking that indiana jones does yeah you got to balance that with something pretty nasty and it does a great job yeah i would say 10 out of 10 moment. Uh, we'll, we'll go for the uh, the last of the questions then before we, we get into the film. And uh, what is a non-horror movie that you would like to remake into a horror film?
1: Okay. So I've kind of gone a little off script with the film sense, but more of a, a universe sense. Okay. would Because it would work for comedy... Having seen one of its mini, i uh, seen one of its series, but horror in Star Wars. That is
0: exactly what I said on mine as well. My first episode. You and me, Matt.
1: Yeah, it's, you and I—we just work together.
0: <laughs> it makes perfect sense. There's for an a universe that's got right. Well, I mean, the, the scope of it is enormous, isn't it? And then you've got these group of people that just have these magic powers that they can use for good or ill. Mm. I mean, yeah,
1: I think that's... The thing is, I don't even think it needs that. I don't think it needs the um, the Jedi Sith thing for it. It can just be just an encompassing part of the universe. I think it was because it was watching... Um, uh was it? The Mandalorian and thinking they can do comedy. I know it was a Taika or Aiki's episode uh, of Mandalorian where it's like, oh, comedy works here. So it's what else can work here? And so horror definitely, I mean, the amount of creatures they've got.
0: And think as well, I know it's a film that we saw together there as well, but the ending to Rogue One. Yeah, What is that if not a horror pitch for star wars
1: that's a yeah that ending is i remember just having seen that film and loving it up until that point and then it is that kind of the well the yeah the escape from the horror moment that you get pretty much every horror film it's you have to have you can't have the creature win all the time You've got to you so, take out
0: most but not all.
1: Yeah. So works really well. It is the tense moment to see what happens. Obviously, you'll know what happens, but in that brief moment. Yeah. The that's a good good picture of horror bit, but yeah, they've got a whole universe they can work with. Very Do good. Do something. Yeah. Do something, Disney.
0: Well, just today, they have announced that Bob Iger is the new CEO. So, get your letters in.
1: Dear Bob, I'll just scratch. I'll just. K- scratch Dear Bob Iger, makes time. Star Wars scary. Please do do one with. There's there's so many spin-offs. Can we just have one? Uh, can we have one comedy and one horror?
0: Yeah, I'm fully with you there. So, all right, I reckon then. That wraps it up nicely as the, uh, the first slice of bread on this particular horror sandwich. So if, if you're having a sandwich, what, what do you normally go for?
1: Me, I had a sandwich today while watching the football, and it was and it's going to... it was steak and cheese, all vegan, baby.
0: Okay, so we're having a, a vegan cheese steak sandwich.
1: mm hmm
0: Right. So, yeah, so let the fill in then. We're going to be talking about a big one. This is one that's come up quite a few times. So, exciting to get into it. We're doing the Blair Witch Project. So, from 1999, and it is directed by Daniel Myrich and Eduardo Sanchez. Its cast is this one's easy because there's only three people, and they all just played. Their own names, so we've got Heather Donahue, Michael Williams, and Josh u l Leonard. And budget, it's one of those fairy tale success stories. Sixty thousand dollars grossed two hundred and forty-eight point six million. So the dream that is, that is a lot of moolah, yeah.
1: Imagine, uh, I think I was reading up saying, uh, as well as being independent film, was it the direct? There were, uh, I think, the University of Florida. At the time, the directors were wanting to make. Uh, I know this they were film. students. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that just being your first credit. Yeah, it's a
0: bit. I think we'll see, I'll Get into this, probably a little bit towards the end. But I think everyone here is kind of a victim of their own success on that front. There's, yeah, like there's been very little that they've got in the way of work, you know, for the for the cast and directors since. I mean, the well, cast uh, mainly because everyone thought they were dead <laughs> for so long. It was
1: it was the the downfall of using the incredible marketing, the incredible kind of like, well, call it guerrilla marketing, versus the unfortunate backlash of using your own name. Yeah. In a film. Yeah. So I think
0: it's one thing that I've kind of come to recognize that it's the perfect film at the perfect time. Because it was a late 90s film. And it's sort of that, that time where the internet was taking off and people were starting to use it more. They were getting it in the houses. But also not so big that stuff like this just gets debunked quickly.
1: It's like yes.
0: So much it a, of this was all just: is the Blair Witch real? Did these people really go missing? Like, and it was it was genius in that regard because yeah, like, it I'd have took to a long while before it. you got your foot in
1: I'll have to check out um, the Blair Witch at some point because something you just said—the whole if you were to do it now you'd have technology to use, like, to debunk it. But technology is apparently used in this Blair Witch uh, 2016 sequel. So it'd be good to see how that's kind of, like, seen against the previous film. But, yeah, how they just did the marketing of these people are missing and then left it at that. And then it was the, oh, and here's the footage.
0: Yeah, I I remember my brother had a like, years later, but he found a T-shirt in just, like, a one of those little indoor market record shops which had the three people on it and a missing poster. <laughs> I think he ended up dyeing it tie-dye yeah. and still wears it for the decorating. But it's, like, I think when I was doing my film studies a level, we talked about marketing. He's, in film. Well, I know what you said. Exceptional
1: bass player, so he can play it in the band.
0: <laughs> when yeah, I did film studies, we did like marketing for films. And they talked about Cloverfield as the example. And they were just like, oh, yeah. look at this, how clever this is. They've got these Facebook profiles. Well, no, it was MySpace profiles at the time. It's like for all Out-tanked. the characters. And I'm thinking like, no one's going to buy that these people were real people here. You know, That they I think that your digital footprint now is so massive that you can't, just pretend to create these three-dimensional people.
1: Yeah. you uh, <clears throat> With the technology, say, I, when you said they've got MySpace ones, well, in a f- couple of months, who knows, could it be all our Twitter accounts? Yeah, yeah, it'll be and there'll MySpace be, might even be It'll be a case of what the heck is Twitter? We haven't a clue what that is. Uh, so that would be quite funny to see that.
0: Yes, yeah, so let's get into the film then. So it starts with us meeting our intrepid filmmakers the uh, the trio of students. Okay. And so they set off basically we're going to go into the woods and explore this myth, legend, spooky thing. And they talk to basically vox pops people in the area. Yeah. I think, I don't know about you, but I kind of thought this was really realistic. In that I felt that a lot of the people there were just making any old shit up.
1: So from looking, looking at parts of this film online through different forums and uh, through what they've said, is that some were actors and some weren't.
0: I thought that uh was it Mary, the woman they meet at the trailer, who's like the the main interaction with, with the Blair Witch. I thought she felt like an actress. I thought the others were kind of not.
1: I thought the, were, um, yeah. I was, the two what the two men. Those two I weren't I too sure be... about. I kind of thought they yeah.
0: they might have had to have been just because they they would have had to have that story fed to them. Yeah. But it sort of had that vibe where it's like you get a lot in, you know, real legend and these spooky stories where it's like there's these basic facts or, or story points that are all there and then people just make up wild shit around it. And like there's no, no set story of what they're going to be talking about.
1: Yeah, well, that is the kind of in itself, the film.
0: Yeah, kinda. I <laughs> thought there was one though with the with these talking heads is that there was a a woman holding a child and like the child covering the woman's mouth and trying to get her to stop because it's yeah. scary. I thought that's that's a really good thing. Like just a little it's a little moment that says you might not be scared, but you should be. And yeah, it's just completely natural, being that it's just come from a you say, a child who's too young to really know what's going on. Yeah.
1: So when um when they're uh, talking to these people, and I'll ask you this as well, because there is the um the man, or I think it's the man who says about the um was it the old man who'd killed the kids in the cellar, and he makes them face the wall and does like one at a time, and then there's the woman saying um uh to, like it's more to do with oh, it's the witchcraft so it's like the actual blair witch so it's like they've got more than one story do you feel it was kind of like they hadn't decided how it was going to end so they kind of left themselves open with those vox pops for like the option of more than one it's i
0: it would be a clever thing to do, definitely. Uh, You've
1: just got that footage in the bank. If it's kind of, oh, we want to go with this. And then it turns out, actually, this is kind of hard to do, but we've got this instead.
0: Yeah, I mean, that would be, that would be a clever way to to do it. Because I think I might be wrong, but later on when Josh leaves the set, I think it's because the actor was just like, I've had enough of this, I want to go. So they sort of hastily wrote around us to the abduction aspect of it uh because a lot of it was made up on the fly uh because like the from what i believe they they got the cast in and they were just like right we'll give you these sort of directions day to day and we'll meet you at the end of every day get the footage and give you new batteries and what have you yeah Uh, and then sort of give you the directions as to what you're going to do tomorrow, and then sort of stepped back and watched it from a distance while fucking with them
1: in the night and things like that. Yeah, very, from what I've read, very heavily improvised. Yeah, it was... Which kind of gives it a really good, realistic... uh, It's something uh, that you get later in the film. It isn't script... Yeah, the real kind of sense of we aren't actually actors, we're kind of like filmmakers, we are kind of like a documentary crew we can't, they're not putting themselves down as actors, they are putting themselves down as we are people trying to find something and now we are shit scared
0: Yeah, I think they uh when later in the film when they all start falling out and stuff like you can feel that they're very stressed and that that feels natural and Also, the way that, like, the dynamics keep moving around in it, it's like a different one's playing peacemaker all the time. Yeah, it's like it always feels like they're just getting people when they snap, and other people, you know, someone else will be angry at this point. Someone else will be angry at this point. It's it's kind of rare that all three of them go off in one go.
1: And yeah, it goes from the I remember the bit being when they first. um, Cross over the stream or the river, and it goes from oh, that's quite fun. To they've got to come back and do it later, and it's then it's more stressful when they come yeah. back and see it again and again. So,
0: well, yeah. After we'll, we'll just move on through the books. We have covered a, a good chunk of it. So the basically, once you have talking to these people, they go into the woods where this supposed witch does her business. Uh I mean. Of
1: Blair Witch shit in the woods, I guess. Uh, and shit's mo- money is what it does. <laughs> 250 million.
0: But yeah, so they, you know, they go into the the woods to try and find stuff, and they, they just don't really find anything, do they? So they're going about looking for this cemetery, and they don't really find anything but get lost trying to do it. and. Whenever they camp,
1: they just hear noises and yeah, they hear kind of the I don't, I can't remember it's the when they go to I think the first few times it is the you you would hear noises when you camp anyway, but I can't remember if there were like children's voices or anything in the first few times.
0: I didn't really pick up much in the way of noises when I was watching it back. I don't know if I just had my telly too quiet or anything. Uh but I also thought with those those scenes where they were you know they were being scared in the night and stuff. And also during the day, it's just it's a film that's made without any trickery at all. There's no effects, there's no dude in a suit hiding behind a tree just to spook people that are looking in the background. And it's I don't know, it's it's kind of hard for me to make my mind up about whether that's good or not. I think it makes the film less scary because you're not... You're sort of watching it through these people's eyes, but also makes it more
1: real and more scary as a result. I think that's, that's its primary success, and that's where the the fear comes from the found footage it is the the fact that it is just their perspective i think if it was when it is at night and it's you hear those voices if it then cut to not someone but kind of like a perspective from outside the tent watching them not necessarily the witches but someone else let's say just looking in, it kind of, I think I'd be like, oh, who was that? And was that someone who's following them? Would it be the which Would it be anyone else? It's kind of like, I just want to see what they've seen.
0: Yeah, which, I mean, it's the, the Bible on which all found footage films have followed since, isn't it? Yeah. But one thing that I, I would say for it is I think you know, it set the tone, but other films since have done a much better job of showing us the characters because it's, you know, it's all these handheld and it looks more as if what a person would shoot because it's all over the place. I think the other films, sort of the us at this moment at the beginning is like, oh, these cameras are head mounted or this guy's a professional cameraman and he knows what he's doing. Whereas this one, it's like, I mean, you can't really hear yeah. this, but I'm just moving around everywhere.
1: Oh, those hands are going wild. They're going,
0: yeah, they're all over the place.
1: As was the filming, but that's what made it so realistic, especially for the time as well. Not being, it was like not clean. It was very yeah. gritty. Having to deal with um, uh, just yeah, light exposure and things like that.
0: Yeah, they They, they do that mix between sort of the colour filming in black and white quite a lot as well, which I always think is, you know, gives it that, you know, gives it an extra little bit of something. Makes it yeah. feel that maybe you might see something when, when they change. But mm. uh, no, they, they, they don't. Basically, you don't see anything untoward in the film at all until the last act, which is, well, the very last moment.
1: Well... I'm going to I'm going I'm going pause just there and say there are a few things in okay. which that when they when they are walking through the woods sometimes and when they wake up um there there's little stick figures
0: yeah yeah so there's there's the bits that are left for them aren't they yeah uh, you never when I say you never see anything it's sort of and in you never see anyone being active against them Kind of see like the results, done. No.
1: Yeah, like, um, was it their penultimate night or something like that? And it's uh, he uh, they wake up and it's is it Josh's like t shirt and uh, blurred yeah. teeth or something? Tooth, behind.
0: hair, and finger, and tongue, I think it said. When I, I, I was not yeah. sure exactly what it was, so I did have to look that one up. Yeah, and there's the bit in yeah. where they walk in in the woods and this come across all those sort of voodoo stick figure, you know, that, the logo that the film was sold on after. You know, they find all those in the woods. And I remember like side just note. after the film came out. Sorry, go on.
1: Oh, uh, side note, yeah. If you're ever going on a wooded walk with a partner, just have one of those handy if you've seen the film, and if they've seen the film as well, and just be like, oh, look at what I've just found on the ground. And then it's like, that's a great way to get out of a woods quick.
0: Yeah, one time just after the film came out, we were walking like in, in a park with a wooded area near my grandma's house, and someone had knocked one of them up and just left it in the woods. Brilliant. Yeah,
1: like
0: 12-year-old me really had a fun time with that one.
1: Yeah, iconic. Oh, I can't sleep again.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, that's basically sort of the whole bit of the film from this point, is so that they, they walk through the woods, sporadically interrupted by noises in the night and uh, finding sort of like little piles of rocks, isn't it, left outside the tent for them. These stone effigies, uh, sorry, wood effigies. And eventually, yeah, they all have a, a big fallout. They all get angry with each other. The map's not working, so Mike just boots it into a river. Uh,
1: yeah, that was a, that was a moment in the film that was kind of like, Right, that that didn't make much sense to do that. But again, the frustration they must have been feeling. But I, I think it, I
0: completely saw where it was coming from because he was just like, yeah, the map's not doing shit. Everyone's lost and it, you know, it just doesn't work. So just get rid.
1: Like, I could understand that. I threw the map away. I threw yeah. the map away. Okay. And I'm watching this going, why the hell would you do that?
0: But yeah, um, it sort of ratchets up as the, the film goes on uh, until basically josh disappears and like we said we find that bundle full of his assorted body parts uh mm. and also just before that see, he comes back and all his shit's covered in slime as well isn't he which I thought was oh yeah
1: quite yeah, yeah. another interesting the, little the case thing. of they may have had more than one ending.
0: Yeah yeah I think kind of feels like one of those create your own stories, doesn't it? It's like, decision A is taken, we'll do this. If decision B is taken, we'll do that.
1: Yeah. We've got slime on something just in case. We don't know where we're going with it. We'll go with the slime.
0: That The Dave Benson Phillips method.
1: Yeah. (laughs) 50-50.
0: So, yeah, basically all this ratchets up and, and gets worse and worse until... They hear Josh in the night and say go looking for him. And they stumble upon the house, which we mentioned earlier about where the the person was killing people, sort of one by one, wasn't he? Forcing other people to kill each other. And this is by far the
1: scariest bit of the film, isn't it? It's so for anyone who might be listening, when. I I first heard about this film not um, through the film but kind of through or, like a lot of parodies of it so I remember it being, uh, the most iconic one probably being from Scary Movie where it's um, the way it's uh, I can't remember the name of the actress but she's filming herself and it's like the snot running and it just keeps going and going and going it's kind of like making a joke of it so it's kind of like I didn't think this film was going to be that scary and the ending is perfect for it it's such a good finish to a film
0: it's it's great because it's I mean, it's all about the location i mean that house is in the middle of the woods it's falling apart there's bloody handprints everywhere on it mm. and then all you see of it is people just running around filming with no regard for what they're looking at. So you're you never really getting a chance to look at anything until you see. So it's
1: the. It is a great end because it's the first bit is, I think it's is in Mike. Mike would be alive still. Is Mike running downstairs first. Yeah. And then it's, he gets, he falls to the floor or the camera goes to the floor. Yeah. Which I've I've read up on, I don't know if you've read it, but um, in trying to come up with the ending and not sure what to do, it was a, you just, re- they told him just to run down stairs. And then when he did get down there, he was shoved to the floor by I think one of the directors. Because
0: <laughs> he didn't just bully because, these guys enough.
1: Yeah, to do that. Um And then it's followed by uh when she comes downstairs and she sees him. And then it's the same thing. It's perfect, perfect ending it, because it's throughout all of this footage you've just seen. It links it back to meeting those guys at the start. Yeah, I, I think as well. What I don't say about you, but it's, I forgot that. I forgot that first bit. It's you, know, you. You meet some people, and it's kind of you do those little speech things. It's like to get people involved, and then it's all the way through, and then it's that right at the end.
0: Yeah, and it what we were saying before about it not showing sort of enough, this is where mm. they get the balance perfectly. You know, they, they show the camera falling down, they show Mike stood in the corner, and then the camera going again. And yeah. you kind of think, right, I know something's going on, I've seen something, and then it just lets your imagination run wild for the rest of it. Yeah. You know, because I get the feeling, you know, that, we talk about Jaws as being like that perfect example of just showing enough of the thing to be scary. And from so much of the film I'm thinking I'm seeing the reactions to it. I'm not seeing sort of what they're scared of enough. So and this is where they get they bring that in. You see and it's still kind of the same in that you're just seeing the reactions to it. But there's something creepy about the characters now. And it's, yeah, I think it's one of the one of the best endings that I can think of for a horror film because it's 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 open and closed at the same time, and it's
1: yeah. You know, as soon as they're in that base, as soon as you see Mike facing the corner, you know it's very much. um, I tell you what, you can pull it back. You can pull this weirdly enough back to. And I know that we're both big fans of like stand up comedy, like Stuart Lee, you fill in the blanks yourself. Yeah. And in stand up comedy, you do that and you get the laugh and you get it's great when you've got to fill it in yourself. But to do it in a horror film and get away with it without having to show who the Blair Witch was or any creature was, because you kind of fill it in yourself.
0: There's there's someone somewhere, and it it may even be one of the sequels that would make this film with a lot of money, and make sort of the bonds of it, and they will show the Blair Witch all the time. The witch will be an actual character.
1: I we'll mean, all gonna, the scenes
0: from the outside of the tent. And
1: yeah, I'll and tell it, you now that is that is the 2016 Blair Witch film.
0: Yeah, I just think it it just feels in much at, less in interesting. looking at
1: clips of the film. In looking at clips of the film, it's like, they're one of them on YouTube was like, oh, they're getting chased by the witch. And it's like, oh, I can see a creature. I'm not invested. It's so far from. And I mean, well, I'd have to watch the film for me to come up with a legitimate reasoning for it. But you can get the fact that he got away with it in the first film, the original. I, can't, I don't know what else to say. It is a perfect ending to a horror film.
0: I, I would say then, I'm going to agree with you. And I think I will we'll leave it there unless you have anything else to say about it.
1: My final note is, it nearly wasn't. Because looking at some notes, um, they were supposed to film The Witch. Uh, but in the running around in the rooms, um, I think it was said... Uh, the director was it the director was dressed in was it a white white long johns white stockings and white pantyhose pulled over his head which and he probably was supposed would have to be awful. the blair, the the blair witch herself but the cameraman forgot to pan left Wow. Well, is that good lucky thing they
0: didn't i think yeah it's a good job isn't it
1: good job that they were just running around the house and kind of, I wonder if it was the one who shoved Mike at the end in a sense of oh good, we oh we forgot to do that. And they yeah. kind of saw it in ed- like post edit and was like, oh no, and then they were like actually, that makes it a lot better.
0: I think if you, like I said earlier, if you're going to make it now and you're rushing around you see The Witch a few times just in frame, in passing now don't you? And it, yeah. you know, it works in a lot of films but maybe it's best left
1: here the the ending of the film if it is made now is the Blair Witch appears right at the end and then the screen goes to black and then you see the Blair Witch project burst onto the screen with shrilled violins going
0: (laughs) yeah and then about (laughs) five minutes longer in the credits because loads more people made it
1: a lot more people made it here is the song from the soundtrack that isn't actually featured on the soundtrack. That's a shout out to ghost right there. I tried to look <laughs> for, I tried to look for that song on the Halloween uh, playlist and it's not, not on the Halloween place on the Halloween soundtrack and it's not on it.
0: The best thing about that second Halloween film, but there we go. Uh, Rather. Right <laughs> so I think we've, uh, yeah, we've talked and spoken at length about it. So uh Let's see what uh, the Facebook group have to say. So let's have a look. Right then. So from the offense, so Chris has said that it was excellent, one of, if not the first in its style, which is, yeah, one thing we haven't really covered is how many films have come since and laid that uh, groundwork for, for a lot, a lot of movies. Uh, right so he continues I'm very much more of a fan of what you don't see in horror movies than what you do see uh, which is what you've seen a thousand times already the real art of the horror is to scare and the mystery intention created in this has rarely been topped for me so yeah I think he's in uh, agreement with pretty yeah. much what we've said
1: uh, yeah just that it's the fill in the fill in the blanks yourself
0: and then Faye's joined in, and she said that it's a Marmite film. I'm not.
1: Because it's I've not seen too sticky. many people
0: really dig into this one. I, I think it's generally pretty proper. So I, I would like to hear some uh, detractors.
1: It is sticky and brown. Well,
0: yeah, there is definitely some of that. Maybe that's a Maybe slime that they put on the, the uh, slime is uh, Marmite. Yeah. Uh, and then Mark uh, has left a comment as well because he said we couldn't have an episode without his influence, and he says that. He totally appreciates the movie for its impact on the face of horror and the ending is something of genius. However, this hasn't aged particularly well. Also, given its short runtime, it kind of drags along. And overall, he gives it an ooh that's spooky. So I, I kind of see where he's coming from and
1: I don't uh, yeah, disagree under entirely. Minutes. Under 90 minutes. And uh, yeah, I can see what he says. It's a lot of looking, just looking back now, it's kind of a lot of meandering about a woods
0: yeah i think if you feel it it does pay off more than it doesn't
1: no i'd say yeah if it ran if it ran any longer i wouldn't know what they would do
0: yeah yeah definitely well they they did film it in eight days and then it took something like i can't remember if it was eight weeks or eight months to edit so it's most of the work was done editing so i imagine they had a lot of film that was just Awful. <laughs> really boring film.
1: Do you think it's kind of, they had to film, but it's like improvising the same scenes over and over. Uh, God, that must have been, yeah, that must have been <laughs> for God, if it was actually, if we are film students ourselves, so we've got other film students to edit it, if, like, trying to rush it out before graduation. Right, so... That's a, that's a film in itself. but that's more like a uh, making of the Blair Witch Project movie yeah except it's like the proper old American college party uh like uh was it American pie style we've got to get this out before graduation I would I would I'd watch that film (laughs) let's make it so uh
0: yeah so in terms of uh reviews then Uh, I've had a look around the internet and uh, Letterboxd has a uh, 3.3, Metascore an 81%. I think the most interesting though is Rotten Tomatoes, which is an 86% critic score and a 56% audience score. So it's it's probably not anywhere near as popular as I thought it was, which gives uh, more credence to what Fear was saying about it being a Marmite film.
1: Yeah, well... That's fair.
0: No. Um, Well, we we have a a three-tiered system on here then, Mike. So we have, uh, if you thought the film was bad, it has a shit rating. mm -hmm. I think middle of the road, we give it an ooh, that's spooky, right? what Mark did. Or if it's a great film, you give it the full creative psychopath. So what are you saying for this one?
1: Now, I think because oh, I don't know if I'm being too generous, if I want to be too stingy and stick it in the middle of the road. But I think because of its, it's got a bit of the um, cult iconic status to it and being a bit of an original in that style, I'm going to give it the full creative psychopath.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going exactly the same way. I think as a film, in and of itself, I would say it's probably straddling that, line between who that's spooky and a creative psychopath but I think it's it's one film that I can't remove the context from it
1: so it's it's for the time it came out for the I mean if it was to come out now you'd probably middle of the road if not less than that just because of well would it fit in with the current like state of technology that we have and it's like marketing and the budget and, uh, well, all of it really. But for that, as you said, like it was just on the cusp of the start of the internet or the start of the internet being popular. That's how it kind of had its cult status come about. Yeah, and it's, it's
0: it walked so that so many films after it could run. You know, I, I think it's because of its impact and, and how creative it was for the time. I'm giving it the full creative psychopath as well. So, yes, it gets it gets top marks from us because Mark's not here to pull it back down. Uh, right. So then, we are actually going to have a little treat now, because as as we said uh, at the start, Mike is the frontman for No Setting Sun, and you've got a new single out. So the uh, the song song,
1: indeed, the song, I was going to say the song and accompanying for people, you've got, you've got a podcast that is for visual media. So we've got a music video out for it as well. Uh, And the song is called Wake Up Tomorrow.
0: Okay, so let's listen to it. Here it is. then so that was wake up tomorrow from no setting sun i feel like a proper radio dj now
1: that was wake up tomorrow by no setting sun
0: and yeah so that is i mean that's available everywhere isn't it? spotify soundcloud
1: youtube yep yeah. apple music amazon um, youtube music we'll, we'll get a link
0: for the video put in the show notes as well And, uh, yeah, I believe you've got an EP coming out as well.
1: Yep, so that's the single for EP. The EP is called From the Earth, and that's going to be out on the 9th of December. And to time with that, on the 11th of December, we've got a show at Dubrex Studios in Derby. And I'll be very happy to see a lot of you there, and you can tell me how wrong I am about the Blair Witch Project as well.
0: No, our listeners won't do that. They're all lovely. Excellent. So, Yeah. Great, and also just—I'm also in the video as well, just for a little
1: extra added spice. You are. Wouldn't have uh, would have waited for you to get there. But, yeah, uh,
0: I've been telling a lot of people about it. It's, I like to think of myself as a featured extra.
1: Well, here's here's more of the extra stuff here for you. We so uh, you come and do my music video. I'll be on your podcast you'll be in the next video and I'll be on another one of your podcast another one of your podcasts I'll be on to talk about another film on this podcast
0: well I'd say it's, it's interesting though being that you are you are in a heavy metal band because it just saying, give them something that I've been thinking about and wanting to talk about for a while so I think it's a perfect opportunity in the sort of relationship that heavy metal and horror have with each other 'Cause I'm just gonna say go out on a limb from what I've noticed. And the I think the Venn diagram of horror and heavy metal fans is just basically a circle at this point. Very yes. much, yeah. Like I i remember uh say so me and you go to download pretty much every year together. Indeed. And Sort of those stalls they have around the arena. There's one that sells all the the patches that people sew onto the jackets and stuff. And I was noticing on one side of it was all band patches, so you know, are you Metallica, you Iron Maidens. And then the other side was all just horror movie patches for jackets. It's like there was, there was nothing I do else. Do remember no, that now? There's no Anchorman patches for comedy fans. There, it's just like Pennywise
1: and. You know, jigsaw, and that's it. So I do remember a lot of yeah. They had it was always just like just squares of like a scene from the film would just be around, and then yeah, the characters that you would get for them. Yeah, and it's
0: I think the 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 two sort of genres that kind of go hand in hand because I think they they explore like. The extremes of music of filmmaking, but also in like the themes, so I think they both explore that strange darker mysterious sort of attitudes and and events that interest people
1: yeah you do you you get that is the kind of that out I think it must it must come from if if you're looking back through kind of like the starts of metal and like film uh, in the horror genre, it's kind of a lot of the outskirts. You are not mainstream. So who else isn't in the mainstream? Well, you've got like B movies and kind of like horror genres and Dracula-esque iconography. So that's kind of like, if you look back at something like Black Sabbath, kind of that time there's a lot of the kind of like, this is dark and gothic kind of look to it that got very much associated with kind of horror films. And as it's as rock and metal has gone on, metal, rock and metal has become kind of the look of horror films as well. For case in point, Slipknot.
0: Yeah, Slipknot massively. Uh, Iron Maiden or another one. You know those. Eddie is. I, I was gonna say. Yeah. Why why isn't there an Eddie film? You know, it's just like, it seems so open goal that someone every, would, would do that.
1: Every zombie film, every zombie film, but there's a trooper one, there's a futuristic one, there's a uh, yeah. Egyptian one.
0: And and like you said, going right up to the present day, I think the band that are keeping that alive more than anyone is Ghost
1: as well. Yeah. What's started out with i mean i remember seeing them at the o2 academy three in birmingham in 2015 and they came out and it was i just i'd heard some of their stuff at that point it was kind of very again kind of earlier black sabbath sounding like their first album was kind of very um gothic chugging uh rhythm sections to it and then they came out and it was just on stage it was kind of like a little camp with it then. And so it's kind of like they were, they very much come from the horror kind of like aspect of like the very medieval European look. And then they've gone, they've gone with it for a few albums and now they've kind of gone a bit extravagant with it. And but I love every single bit of it.
0: Yeah. And I think as well, if you look at the merchandise, the album covers, they the masks. Yeah. They're, they're all, I mean, the, the, the merchandise, especially, it's just film. It's, it's literally just films, but they've stuck their own, own twist on. It's like uh, yeah. them, them QWERTY You've you got, you got the
1: Clockwork Orange.
0: Yeah, there's a Clockwork Orange one. I've got a Jaws one as
1: well. And ah, I yeah.
0: loads of them. I mean, they did the song for Halloween, like we mentioned earlier. Mm. And I, I, so I think as, as well that there's probably, if someone wanted to, to really get into this and research it, there's probably like enough for a book in this this subject. We're you know, we're only just scratching the surface a little bit here, but one thing that I, I did want to mention it is with the. Uh, just want to mention the fans in the horror fans and heavy metal fans. I find are very similar. I mean, because obviously, because a lot of the time they're the same people, but there are also people that want to look like they're scary intimidating murderous characters but are almost always the nicest sweetest you know people that will look after you if something's wrong constantly you know they always seem to be the nicest people they're in well enjoying the most disgusting things
1: of the mosh pits that i've been in i think uh ones where it's not at a hard rock or metal venue, I always get a bit more concerned with. So I think it's people who are just like jumping and mashing into each other for the sake of it. And I've seen it and it, they, they're they big and I'm sure they're fine, but I'm always just a bit concerned because every time I've been in a rock and metal one, it's people who are looking out for everyone else in their best interest. If someone goes down, it's always they're pulling them right back up. Yeah. And yeah. everyone's being held off until everyone is fine,
0: and yeah, you know, I, th- I think just on top of that, people are just generally friendly. You know, they'll, they'll talk to people. They'll, I think the welcoming of fans as well. I think there's very little gatekeeping going on.
1: Yeah, there'll be there'll be people who have their opinions, and that's fine. But I think when it when it comes down to it, they're all very just kind of like ah, you, you, I like this, but you might not. That's okay. I understand why yeah and whereas with other fan groups you see sometimes it's you don't like this well then you are dead to me
0: i mean I, to draw I a, a just, lazy comparison I'll just
1: gatekeep, gatekeep.
0: yeah yeah i think you think of like rap in the 90s and people were i know there's, there's a lot more to it than just being about rap and stuff but like biggie and tupac sort of thing you know there's it's a, it's a lazy analogy because say, it doesn't take into account all the other stuff, but it's, you know, thankfully there's very little of that going on in heavy metal. You know, I don't recall many violent incidents between groups of Metallica and Iron Maiden fans.
1: No, it's just uh, one musician has said something about another musician. However, they're both in their 60s now, and they'll just talk. About it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, you'll never guess what has been said about Axel Rose by someone. It's like, okay, that's great. They're both in their sixties. They're fine. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, it's something that say, is definitely more interesting. If anyone wants to uh, say to mention it and, and discuss it further, let us know. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I think yeah, that's a nice little nice little slice of bread just to uh, to wrap off this sandwich there. Uh, yeah. Is but it a
1: sandwich or a wrap. You just said wrap it off. Mm.
0: No, maybe we wrap. can. If it's a wrap, it has to have two tortillas. So maybe it's easier if we but just do a, a sandwich.
1: Quesadilla. Okay.
0: So I mean, as is tradition, because it's a horror sandwich, we we can't we can't make it nice for you. Okay. So we'll we'll have to ruin it by I guess covering it in marmite slime, Ooh. and and then just disappearing. There you go. You get your sandwich taken away.
1: My Marmite-covered sandwich.
0: Mm. Although I suppose so, if we did take it away, that's that's doing you a favour.
1: But he liked Marmite the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: right. Well, I think uh, yeah, that just about wraps it up for us. So I think what? Uh, well, I'll I'll let you plug everything that you've got to
1: plug first. Okay. So. First off, Matt, thank you very much for having me. Thank you for coming. It's been uh, great. I've always enjoy talking about these, uh, these films and you've uh, dragged right out of me. Uh, Mark, I'm sorry for everything that's happened. I hope you take care of yourself and your family, bud. As for the band, so No Setting Sun, you can find us on Facebook at No Setting Sun, Instagram, No Setting Sun, and the website, nosettingsun.com. Our EP From the Earth is out on the 9th of December and we have got a live show on the 11th of December at Dubwreck Studios in Derby. Tickets on sale. Hopefully we can add the link to this show and I'd look forward to seeing you all there.
0: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely get that link in. And
1: do you want to plug this all our stuff as well? So stuff as well, yeah. Uh, so I'm on Instagram at Mike Hardy Music, Facebook, uh, Mr. Hardy Music, because Mike Hardy Music was taken. Damn you, Mike! Damn you, other Mike Hardy. Um, I think that's about it. If you find me on um, social media, oh, on Spotify as well, Mike Hardy. Um, yeah, you can find me on Facebook, and I'll share all the shows that I'm playing and performing at.
0: Perfect. That is great. All right, and then yeah, for us at the podcast, we're on uh, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. Creative Psychopath. You'll find us there. Uh. Please join the Facebook group, Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast, and we'd love to see you there and uh, come talk to us. Uh, We we talk about the films that we're going to be recording, so if you do want to, uh, to have you get a shout out, just tell us what you think. And I think that's about it for plugs. So the only thing left to do is say goodbye. Goodbye.